0: Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel, Balances due. Well-qualified customers,
1: full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply.
0: What's better than this? Guys being dudes.
2: What's better than this? It is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Joe and I are back, just a couple of guys being dudes. I'm Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting at NDT Scouting, NFL Draft Analyst for FanRag Sports. My co-host is Joe Marino, fellow NDT Scouting uh, compadre, co-pilot, whatever we want to call him. He is the man. Myth and the legend, the 2017 How to Report Mock Draft champion, Joe. Does that ever get old?
1: Oh man, not, not after two weeks. No, um, it's it's uh, quite the honor to have the most accurate 2017 mock draft in the world. So,
2: I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna ride that wave
1: as long as I can. Uh, yeah,
2: maybe, maybe we can um, parlay that into some sponsorships for you or something <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah, hey, come come on down. I mean, between uh, that and you know, we've already got a slam dunk with Monster, right? Um,
2: right. I'm, I'm Monster. I'm still waiting for you to call. By the way, my
1: goodness, you got me hooked, man. I got a problem.
2: That's good. Three a day, man. Yeah. Well, maybe three a day in draft season. I think we should probably scale it back now.
1: <laughs> it's yeah. No, I've but that's the problem is even in the last week because I'm trying to catch up on my life and like my sleep and i just i'm having a hard time man i'm relying on the white monster
2: yeah you know what and um i admittedly have slept in two days now past eight o'clock and it's glorious but at the same time it also feels like a wasted morning (laughs) i'm still not broken of that habit of like you gotta be up you gotta go um So we we have some cool stuff before we get into the AFC East today, which is what we're going to be looking at as far as uh, just talking about the players that landed there. Uh, Joe, you've got something cool cooked up for today at NDT Scouting. Do you uh, want to give folks uh, something to get excited about?
1: Yeah, this is um, really exciting, actually. Something that you'll see a lot from myself and and, and you as well over the summer, over the next few weeks or months uh, before the season is, um, getting into some very specifics on players that are coming up for the class. So what I'm doing here is I've I've went through um, Arden Key, the LSU pass rusher that everyone's really excited about, and I've got seven of his sacks from 2016, and I've got them all you know clipped up and ready to go, and I'm going to share them all in an article that. You may it may be available by the time you're listening to this. Uh, and you can look at them all and see my scouting notes and just see the the context, the how, and why you know, Arden keys getting home. And so we've got some great resources at our disposal right now. That's going to give us the ability to look at a lot of stuff like this. And we'll be able to do this for a lot of pass rushers and uh, you know, really a lot of different positions. I know that you're going to do some stuff with quarterbacks. So uh, this is something you guys have to look forward to at NDT scouting. We've got some new resources that we'll share hopefully very soon, but we're able to be privy to those right now. uh, That's going to enable to us to really take our, our work to the next level and share, a lot more video clips for you.
2: Yeah. And, uh, Joe, as you mentioned, I'm going to be doing some quarterback work. I'm interested a lot in third down passing and red zone efficiency and, uh, all, all those, uh, game situation down and distances and areas of the field that really help, uh, make or break your offense. Uh, so I'm, I'm planning on looking at Sam Darnold first, uh, looking at some red zone passing, uh, plays and traits and uh really looking forward to digging into that and putting that up on the site because god knows everybody loves quarterbacks
1: yeah they do they do you know what i
2: kind of feel bad because i did all my quarterbacks i like i was done quarterbacks by the first week in january yep and so i I haven't (laughs) yeah i know because they gave you the list and you're like craps come on (laughs) i tried to space them out here you got like 16 quarterbacks done what are you doing um, So I'm looking forward to putting that hat back on because it's been about four months since I've done quarterback assessments.
1: It's a big year, right? I mean, everyone's – well, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but there are a lot of quarterbacks that people are excited about this year, and I can't wait to find out if that's fact or fiction. But um, we've got all summer to talk about that. How about this AFC East draft class, Kyle?
2: Yeah, I'm dying to talk about Deion Dawkins some more on the show.
1: Please do because um, – <laughs> I got I got some hate, man. I uh, John Owning, editor, content manager for NFL FanRag NFL, had me write a, a grades piece on the Bills draft, and uh, somebody questioned or well challenged my Dion Dawkins take by saying that Mike Mayock had him as his number two interior offensive lineman, and since my notes don't match up with um, with Mike Mayock's notes, that um, I am not well versed enough to talk on the subject. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, that's real life. Uh,
2: it's good to know Mike's batting a thousand.
1: Yeah, I didn't – well, you know, I've really noticed something in terms of the criticisms that we get with our analysis. It, it, if if you like what I'm saying in terms of it agreeing with you, what, what you think or or the, the preconceived idea that you think, you think I'm a great an analyst. If I disagree, even though I have great reasoning and, and well-thought-out purpose – Uh, Because we disagree, I'm a bad analyst, so uh, I'm just just learning how to take it here.
2: Well, we actually got over at NADT Scouting. uh, I did my San Francisco 49ers uh, class reaction, and we got a comment from Craig that I think you'll probably enjoy hearing, Joe. It says, got to give you guys a lot of credit. You hang your hats uh, on guys, and more importantly, you call a few guys out and point out weaknesses in their games. Uh, My biggest draft pet peeve is watching Mayock and others talk of a day three prospect like they're all going to be starting caliber guys. If a fan just watched the draft, they'd feel every single pick was a budding star. Weaknesses are a part of football. I want to know what other people might see that I might have missed. Pro and con conversations really set NDT scouting apart. Props for having 80% plus of your profile players drafted. Really enjoy your transparent scouting reports.
1: Wow. Thank you. That thank
2: you. That's what it's all about, right?
1: Yeah, that makes it worth it. <laughs> that's what we're trying to do right there.
2: That's that is one positive comment that is now going to net twenty five negative comments on our stuff in the next sure, week.
1: Sure, sure, but I'll yeah, uh, just... <laughs> I'll <laughs> precipitate on that one.
2: Yeah, that's all right. Um, all right, so Dion Dion Dawkins, yes, Joe, he, one of my favorite picks for you guys uh, as Buffalo. He was my seventy first rated player. He went sixty third, uh, second round pick. Um, the movement skills and the size are pretty special as far as open field ability, um, really sticky on the second level. He's a lot better than a lot of offensive linemen as far as sitting down, squatting and mirroring on the second level. Uh, You see so many guys, they get out there and they're so big and they, they're not able to, to scale down and gear down that they kind of overrun, they overrun, um, any potential tackle or blocking opportunities that they might have where you don't see that with Dawkins and Dawkins. uh, I was really impressed with his ability to use his length and and really absorb and overwhelm defenders on the second level. So uh, I know you're still lukewarm on some of his technique and I'm assuming that's point of attack stuff and pass protection stuff. But uh, I I think he has some assets that make him a a very pleasantly surprising offensive lineman.
1: Where you want to play him, guard? Okay. See now that's what's interesting is the the Bills' weakness is right tackle with Jordan Mills, and they have John Miller and Richie Incognito, who is a really you know really solid pair of guards. Where it feels like the the chance for him to really fit in the lineup is at right right tackle. I
2: think I think his his athleticism is going to get him a look at tackle. I don't doubt and that. 35 and thirty five inch has, arms. I was gonna say he has a tackle profile as far as his size. But I think his athleticism, his movement skills, and what his limitations are with some of his technical stuff, uh, you would be better served playing him at at guard. I would rather have him over John Miller.
1: Okay. We'll see. Bills gave up three picks to go and get Mr. Deion Dawkins. Um, I want to talk about the Patriots. I don't want to, but I have to, right?
2: We I mean, have to. This is we are game. morally obligated yeah, to God talk about
1: bless the it. Like, they just got so much better this offseason, right? Like, it's annoying.
2: Um, they Well, especially when you consider, if you count the picks, that or the players that right. they brought in with their first and second round picks, with Coney Ely and Brandon Cooks yeah, so, as part their, of their draft class. Yeah,
1: so that's their first and second round picks. And then they're able to get Derek Rivers, my 26th overall player at 83. Antonio Garcia, my 68th player at 85. And I don't even care about the rest of it. You know, I mean, Connor McDermott's underwhelming, but he was still probably appropriate value given where he was selected. And then Dietrich Wise, who I, I'm good with, if there's a chance for him to, you know, capitalize on his physical attributes, it's probably with New England. But Derek Rivers, I think, is going to be that next Rob Ninkovich, but with way more athletic upside. And uh, I think he's just going to be a – a pillar for that defense for years to come. Garcia gives them depth that offensive tackle. They, he can probably challenge Nate Solder. So they've got their you know their their plan their their successor already in place for Solder when they're ready to you know dump him like they do all their vets. And uh, on top of that, Brandon Cooks, Coney Ealy, they bring in Stephon Gilmore. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's, if Tom Brady doesn't uh, get injured, I mean, the, the Super Bowl's theirs this year.
2: Yeah, this is what's annoying, is the Jets had three picks before the Patriots had their first pick. The Bills had three picks before the Patriots had their first pick. And the Dolphins had two picks before the Patriots had their first pick. And the Patriots came away with the second highest player out of all the players that went in that entire group on my draft board. Uh, uh, I had Riv- I had Rivers ranked below Jamal Adams at five. He was above Harris, tredavius White, Isaiah Jones, Marcus May, Raquel McMillan, Deion Dawkins, Darius Stewart. All those players went in the division before Derek Rivers. Patriots had like the the tenth pick in the in the division <laughs> with their first pick, and they got the second best player.
1: It's annoying as crap, man.
2: It's silly. It's why they are who they are. And interestingly enough, um, Antonio Garcia is missing from my my spreadsheet. So I'm going to have you kind of segue another one in while I find out where he's hiding.
1: Yeah, I'll take it. Um, one player that I think. Oh, I you know, let's talk about the Dolphins and, and what they were able to do to help their defense. I really like it. Um and I and the thing about it is I don't really care for Charles Harris. Uh, they took him in their first-round pick, and, you know, I think he's got speed rush potential. Don't love him against a run or anything like that. But the other picks that they made, right, starting with Raquan McMillan on the second level, I think they get better in two spots. With McMillan, they've got a true second-level, you know, downhill plug, a guy that takes great angles, gets quick read-on plays, uh, and, and is a good finisher. And now you move Kiko to, to the weak-side linebacker position, and I think you get better in two spots. Kradreya Tankersley can really push uh, – to start pretty soon in his career on the outside and provide really good depth behind, you know, what they have at corner and, and Maxwell and um, the, the kid from Baylor Howard. Um, you know, I'm not sure that tankers you know, can't be better than both of those guys. And then, well, I
2: could tell you he's already better. He's already better uh, than Byron <laughs> Maxwell. Yes.
1: So, I mean, it's, it's, it's his to take. And then, um, you know, they double dipped on defensive tackle in and God, Chow and Vincent Taylor. And I like Vincent Taylor um, I, We're about I look, the
2: same on him Yeah, We yeah. both had him in the 150s on our draft boards but These
1: are guys that have some ability That, that can provide depth on, on the interior I mean Earl Mitchell's not there anymore And um, just You know big bodies that can That can compete so they went out They wanted to get better on defense and I think they did And I didn't even you know Charles Harris let's not forget About him as another pass rusher so
2: Yeah um, I, I'm really Trying to frame the Charles Harris pick Positively uh, I'm still having a hard time with it to. because, well, I I do kind of have to. I'm trying to look at it through aqua and teal <laughs> uh, sunglasses here, um, and and even McMillan for me was not. I, I didn't. I wasn't fully enamored with McMillan as far as being a a three down linebacker. Uh, I think he's at his best playing forward, and that's fine because Miami did need that sturdy body in the middle. Uh, you know, you saw how many years now has Miami just been gashed on the inside because they don't have the horses up front. Um, still waiting for uh, Jordan Phillips to kind of come into his own as the other piece on the interior. Uh, but if he comes along and then you get Raekwon McMillan, um, that's a lot more sturdiness in the, the, uh, between the B-gaps. And I think that's where Miami has to be better. If they're going to continue to trend forward after this ten win season, and I, I think McMillan's a lock to start. I think Tankersley is a lock to get a ton of playing time. I think he will be starting barring injury by the end of the year. Um, Maxwell is he's a fat contract. Uh, I, I would expect them to uh, not retain his services in the long run and. Uh, was really surprised to see some people uh, super lukewarm on Cordray Tankersley. Uh, I you know you and I uh, both had him in our top si- sixty. I was still warmer on him than you were, but uh, there were some people saying that this was a bad pick at ninety-seven.
1: Hmm. That's not smart.
2: Par- That's I, not- I just yeah. It's like, did, what, did you only watch like two thousand fifteen tape when he was holding guys all over the place, or?
1: Yeah, no, that's a bad take. You know, anybody who thinks that's a bad pick at 97. And then look on offense. I know they only made one pick on offense, and that's Isaac Aguilar. Yeah, but it, it was
2: their best pick. It, it, it was really, easily their best pick. And they
1: needed to upgrade that spot where Anthony Steen was slated to start.
2: Well, whether it was Anthony Steen or uh, Ted Larson, you know, right. we had somebody on YouTube mouth off at us because we said Steen was penciled in. And I'm sorry, but our lads had Anthony Steen penciled in the left guard. Okay, Dolphins fan, you don't have to tell me hmm. who's in the Dolphins starting line. Um yeah, Asiata was a, a player that both of us saw as a huge plus value, was in both of our top 100 picks uh, on the on the draft board. And another player that you know, Miami seems to have made their hay uh, with a couple of these picks now where uh, day two prospect slides into the middle of day three because of uh, some medical flags. Uh, it happened with Jay Jotty and now Asiata, and it remains to be seen, seen whether Ajayi uh, is impacted in the long term with it, uh, but it certainly looked like a pick to paid dividends last year uh, when he was one of the top three or four rushers in the NFL. Uh, massive upgrade at guard for them because he moves bodies, and the Dolphins have not had people movers on the inside in forever. Yeah. They've had heavy-bodied or, or big-bodied uh, heavy-feet guys, or they've had a bunch of... Uh, Essentially, glorified centers that are are trying to make movement along the point of attack. So, Asiata, as far as the style of play and the fact that he can move, is a massive upgrade for Miami.
1: Yeah, and the other offensive pick for Miami, I'd say a Ford player that I had. uh, Where did I have him? Uh, Jeez. 103. You had him 81. He goes 237. What the crap? Any so there, idea? I would
2: you would imagine there's something that that's <laughs> off the radar here, right? I mean, um, I thought
1: I was lukewarm on Ford, but not like seventh round lukewarm,
2: right? So <laughs> Ford and and the comparison that has always stood out to me is he's a lighter version, a lot of similarities with Devonte Parker, and um, I don't know if Ford gets a roster spot, which is going to be interesting to see play out because Miami needs. Uh, some versatility in their receiving group. They've got uh, uh, a, a player in last year in Leonte Carew that they traded up to get. Uh, they have uh, Jarvis Landry there. They retain Kenny Stills. Devontae Parker is there. It's going to be a lot of horses fighting for that one spot. So Ford has to be able to either really stand out as a receiver or he has to be able to bring something else to the table if he's going to make the roster, which is crazy to think about because both of us were really high on this player uh, coming into the draft process. And I'm sure it's there had to have been something that flagged him for him to fall that far because I thought his tape was too good for him to be uh, in the 230s as a draft selection.
1: Yeah, really weird. If he was taken in the third round or fourth round, nobody would have thought twice about it. No,
2: I agree. And that's a lot of draft analysts probably would have thought that way too really weird. Uh I guess we'll talk about the bills, huh? Yeah,
1: let's do that.
2: Uh let's see. They made a killing with Peterman at 171, Vallejo at 195. Uh those were two of my better value picks out of the whole division. Uh two of my top 3 value or th- I'm sorry, two of my top 4 value picks in the entire division. Isaiah Ford was another one of those players. Um uh, are you surprised that it seems like uh, coaching staffs or personnel, whichever one it was, uh, was so taken aback by Peterman's apparent lack of arm strength?
1: Well, yeah, it's funny. It's it seems like the people pick and choose their spots with when that really matters. Um, I mean, he played at Pittsburgh, and he was the most efficient quarterback in the ACC last season, and that includes the Sean Watson, and that includes the Mitchell Trubisky. Both went in the top 12. So, uh, you know, it's it's only an if, issue if it's an issue. I think what he'll do for Buffalo is if he gets in the games, he'll be, you know, an orchestrator, a guy that can get the ball out quick and um, go to the right place with the football and, and deliver it with accuracy. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's a guy that's really going to push the ball vertically down the field. That's not his game. But um, I think he'll keep everything on schedule. And, you know, for me, my 67th player – Selected at 171, so I thought that was a good job.
2: Well, here's what, like, I would fully expect people on the outside to pick and choose their spots. But this was, like, a full-on, by, like, the entire NFL, it's like, nah, Peterman doesn't have the arm strength. There's no other way, like, his tape was good. So it it comes across to me that just the entire league thought that he didn't have baseline arm strength.
1: Yeah. What about what about this Tre'Davious White situation? So you know, I had to I had to do a full grades piece for Fan Rag, and one thing that I talked about on that with the Tre'Davious White pick is, you know, it's when you think about it in and of itself, the Bills move back uh, from ten to twenty seven. They get Tre'Davious White. They get a, a third round pick this year that they used to trade up to get Dion Dawkins, and they got a first round pick next year from the Chiefs. So what you, you know, I don't think anyone's going to say that that's not a nice haul and that Tredavious White is, you know, really solid. He'll probably be a really good cornerback in the NFL, and the flexibility this year helped, and next year, you know, who knows, that could help. But, you know, weighing that against passing up on Marshawn Lattimore at 10, you know, Marshawn Lattimore is a guy that projects as a number one cornerback, somebody that you line up against the other team's number one wide receiver every week, and he has a chance to go out there and compete physically. You know, I think Tredavious White's going to be a really solid football player, but, you know, I don't know if he's going to be that true bonafide lockdown number one cornerback. So I think think we'll have to see how this plays out, you know, if Buffalo actually has remorse about not going with Lattimore. Now Lattimore has the hamstrings, so that's something to be mindful of. But I like what Buffalo did to create that flexibility, but I I really hope that we don't look back at this and say, ah, damn it, they would have been better served just picking Marshawn Lattimore.
2: Or or even one of the other corners, there were three other corners besides Lattimore that went between Buffalo's initial pick at 10 and where they traded back to at 27. Yeah. So what this trade to me is really going to come down to, I'm not even going to count the third round pick because they've already moved it. It was part of the Deion Dawkins deal. And the more that I do this, the more I really feel like those late day two and all day three picks, those are so easily attainable, right? Like you can... Flip something and get a third round pick. Like a third round pick for me, a couple years ago, I I would have, you know, really hated giving up. Oh, we gave up a third round pick to to move up like ten spots. But you see, so many teams manufacture draft capital, mm-hmm. especially on draft weekend. That I'm not, I'm not discounting the fact that they got a third and then already moved a third. Even if it's a player that Joe, you were were kind of lukewarm on, the opportunity cost here. And the the potential other avenues were stay at 10 and pick Marshawn Lattimore. The other three corners that went were Marlon Humphrey, Adore Jackson, and Garyon Conley. They went 16, 18, and 24. So if any of those players show out, I think Conley's probably a bit of an exception with what he had as far as the off-the-field issue uh, that, that popped up here the couple weeks before the draft itself actually came along. But, but if Trey White is grossly outperformed by any of those names, and the player that the Bills land with this next first-round pick does not become a positive contributor to the roster, I think that's when you're going to see Bills fans really lament this draft selection.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so that's the bottom line is we have to wait and see if that turned out to be the right choice. I mean, Sean McDermott has a philosophy here. He's trying to build. Trey White really fits that. And they've leveraged themselves well next year. So if they want to move up and get a quarterback, or if they want to just take two first round picks, which would be fine by me, they uh, they positioned themselves well to do
2: it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, got to talk about the Jets, right? <laughs> yeah, we got to. Uh, uh, Elliot Christ had a really, really nice piece. Uh, he, he showcased uh, their first two selections, and and some people really had a hard time uh, wrapping their heads around. Why the heck did the New York Jets select two safeties with their first two picks? Joe, uh, I remember when when we were kind of sitting in on that live uh, doing our analysis for FanRag, it certainly raised eyebrows in our room.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and Marcus is my 99th player on the board, so 39s reach, you know, a 39, we're talking about still the potential to get first round caliber players. So, um, I think my biggest exception with it is the player, not necessarily that they did, you know, two safeties.
2: Yeah. And, uh, may for me was, was certainly not a player that I had considered being a top 40 player. Um, but really like what they're going to be able to do with Jamal Adams personally.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I, think that that, that selection, uh, you have to give the Jets credit for because I wasn't necessarily expecting them to do the right thing because they're they're They are a roster that's really in disarray right now. They need a lot of talent. They need a lot of help. And, um, you know, I was just kind of sitting there holding my breath saying, okay, who can they like drop the ball and take? And they didn't, they didn't do that. They took the best player in my opinion, uh, that they could have. So you have to tip the hat to them for for sticking to their guns and going Adams. But working your way further down their picks, the Jets were the only team in the AFC East that selected players that we did not scout this year in our 300 players, (laughs) Joe.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jets. Uh, Jeremy
2: Clark from Michigan, who did not start a corner (laughs) for Michigan. Now, granted, they had Jordan Lewis, who was a a day-two pick, and uh, Joe's guy. (laughs) Give me the label, huh? Yeah, yeah, I have to. You had him like 100 spots higher than I did. Yeah, okay. And where'd he go?
1: Nowhere. He didn't go anywhere. Okay.
2: Uh, Derek Jones from Mississippi, and then Dylan Donahue from West Georgia. Uh, Those three picks, I mean, they're they're all 180 or later, so they're not – you know egregious reaches as far as we're concerned are not necessarily players that were running back to the film to to go check out. Uh, I had heard some nice things about Donahue. I believe he tested very well in the pre-draft process. Uh, but the Jets are really—they just took like a shotgun spread approach. If you're looking at their picks, it took two safeties, they took two wide receivers, uh, a running back, and a tight end.
1: Yeah, not a and then two corners. The biggest player they drafted was. Jordan Leggett, 258 pounds. I mean, this is a little guy draft.
2: Yeah. It's, and I, I don't necessarily think that's a surprise because they need players on the boundary. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, they took our Darius Stewart at 80 and Chad Hanson at 141. Um, Joe, those were both plus values for you. Um, they were mm, kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah. Um, do you like the skill set that they brought in for the boundary there with Stewart and, and Hanson?
1: Well, I'm a big Stewart guy, 64th player on my board. I think he's a, a guy that does a little bit of everything and has a nice uh, ability to create yards after the catch. And um, you know, I don't know who's playing quarterback, but if it's it's Petty or Hackenberg, I guess as the conventional wisdom tells you. You know, those are guys that come from spread systems in college. Not necessarily that Hackenberg executed his well but um you know guys that want to get it out quick and need guys that can create for the catch so i like what stewart gives him in that area and plus he's a great blocker right so not only does he create on his own but he creates you know helps for his teams to, teammates to create extra yards so that's going to be an asset in that offense if they're trying to you know use these quarterbacks to get the ball out of their hands and then chad hansen's a guy that you know he's got some really positive tape but he's not been very consistent and doesn't have a whole lot to his resume. Um, but you know, he's a guy that has good hands and, but it comes from another spread system. So I think what they're really trying to do with this class is simplify things on offense. And, uh, you know, they got two wide receivers and Stewart and Hanson that can fit into that type of role.
2: Yeah. Um, and they got my guy, Elijah McGuire too.
1: Yeah. Your guy, Elijah McGuire.
2: Yeah. My guy, um, I, I can't believe Elijah McGuire goes 188 and you think it's a bad value, Joe. That's uh, unbelievable.
1: 59-point a reach for me, yeah.
2: Yeah, that's that's not acceptable. Um,
1: we'll, we'll monitor his career very closely, sir.
2: Yes, we're going to have to keep very close tabs on Elijah McGuire. Um, no, and it's interesting because you know, the Dolphins had their theme of building through defense. Uh, the Patriots had their theme of Letting everybody else be dumb and get great <laughs> value picks. Uh, the, the Jets had their theme of uh, boundary players. They wanted skill players. They wanted guys to, that influence and touch the football. And the Bills, uh, they were kind of the mishmash of everything. I thought the Bills did a great job getting value late in the draft, uh, but they didn't necessarily have a theme like a lot of these other teams did? What Do you, do you think that, that indicates anything?
1: Well, so I think the, the theme with the players is not necessarily what they do in terms of team, how they fit the team. It's more of the types of players that Buffalo went after. All of these guys are four-year uh, college players. All of them are seniors. Uh, five, four out of six senior bowl guys. Yeah, four out of six senior bowl guys that did well, right? Uh, Peterman, White, Jones, and Dawkins. Um, were, were guys that people came away with very positive impressions of their senior bowl performance. And uh, high character guys. If you look at these guys' resume, I mean, these guys are valedictorians and the team Outstanding Leadership Award. So uh, th- the theme with the Buffalo class is, is fitting into this Sean McDermott, earn the right to win every day type of, you know, lunch pal Culture he's trying to create And he's got workers and guys that they're familiar with uh, From different connections You know, Zay Jones The wide receiver coach from East Carolina Now with Buffalo uh, Knowing what kind of person he is, what kind of work he is Trey White's resume speaks for himself uh, It's Just guys like that Matt Milano who's a you know, Big time special teams guy 24 special teams tackles for his career Three block kicks So guys that you know are just going to put the team first And work their ass off So that's the theme Uh, from the Buffalo draft.
2: Yeah. And I think some of it might also be, as you alluded to with coach McDermott being a first time head coach there, uh, there, there's no roster fill out where it's like, okay, we've had two years to kind of go get our kind of guys. They're looking for their guys. Period. They're not necessarily like the, the dolphins are okay. You know, we need to fill out the back seven. We're we're having issues with the back seven, and we need long-term pass rush help. Or the Jets saying, okay, we've kind of tried to build, uh, especially defensively, from the inside out. So we need need guys that can contribute on the back end. And then you see them go out and take two top 40 picks with two safeties. Uh, This is just, okay, fresh slate time. So let's not marry ourselves to anything. Let's attract quality players uh, that are going to – Fit the culture. Kind of, kind of fit the culture that we want to instill. Yeah. I think that's a great way to put it.
1: Yeah, so there you have it. The AFC East in a nutshell. Uh, good draft all around. I think when when Kyle and I sorted our, our boards and looked at the, the deviation from our personal rankings, there's a lot of really positive picks. So good, good influx of talent to the division. Uh, Jamal Adams is going to be a pain in the ass for a long time. Uh, so we have that to look forward to, and um, you know, Patriots are the Patriots. So that is going to do it for us today on the show. We're going to be back again for you on Wednesday with the next division. I'm not sure which one it is, but we'll be back with another division to kind of recap in this style with a nice organic conversation about the talent being added to those four teams. So uh, make sure you are subscribed. Leave us a rating. You know what I mean? Like this is uh, this is the time of year where it seems like a lot of people sway their interest away from the draft. Don't let that happen. Leave us a rating. Uh, Let's make sure that people are seeing what we're doing. That type of stuff really helps us and really appreciate all your support. Follow us on Twitter. Kyle's at NDTScouting. I am at the Joe Marino. Again, ton of content coming on com. Told you about the Arden Key piece and all the different things that we are doing with our our great staff. Uh, Come back. We'll be here for you on Wednesday. Signing off for Kyle Krabs. I'm Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. Mm
0: Who would have thought? Who would have guessed? An energy company helping cars emit less. Improving efficiency is our ongoing quest. At ExxonMobil, it's what we do best. Energy lives here. Thank you for listening to Believe.